0: Caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. Audre Lord. Bending, not breaking. The Gifts of Imperfection Edition. Episode 9, Guidepost 7. Cultivating rest and play. Letting go of exhaustion as a status symbol. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Bending Not Breaking. This is your host, Ben Pruitt, and we are so thankful that you have joined us by listening in. Some of you are even supporting us on Patreon and y'all are super cool. I really appreciate you. BNB underscore pod. I'll probably mention that again later. Anyway, we are a podcast that is all about treating Avatar The Last Airbender and the Avatar verse as sacred. And right now we are engaging with Brene Brown's Gifts of Imperfection, which is one of her earlier books. And we're excited because we're diving into that in conversation with everything Avatar. And so we're learning about all these things that Brene Brown is teaching us, and we're using Avatar to kind of like amplify and learn and see it in practice through the show. And so today we are really really excited to bring on a new special guest. And so I would love to introduce Yasmin Spearman. Yasmin is a black creative, a sister, a friend, a foodie and a lover of all things Hayao Miyazaki. Currently, she's pursuing her master's in divinity at Duke Divinity School with me and with a concentration in advocacy and social justice. And so let's warmly welcome Yasmin. How are you today?
1: Ah, so well, so well. I'm excited and really happy to be here. I already said that to you. I'm so pumped. You know, I love Avatar. You know, I love talking about play. Mm. Um, and then also, just today is a beautiful day. I came off of a great weekend. I'm about to go into another great weekend and mm. I'm about to go to the movies tonight. So, just inserting fun in the midst of like,
0: oh, I love that. A ridiculous week. So, yeah, <laughs> what, are you, be here. what are you going to go see tonight?
1: Venom 2. Venom, Venom
0: two. 2. All right y'all, you heard it from Yasmin. We're going to get a full update on Venom, <laughs> on Venom 2. two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. So are you how do you feel about today's episode? I mean, like I'm sensing that you are pretty excited about it.
1: Yeah, I'm so pumped. I mean, <sighs> I remember when I was reading um, Brene Brown's book on the gifts of imperfection, which you referenced before. And I remember the first time I stumbled on this guidepost and this book came out a while ago. It was Um, like 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. And I think I read it probably like four years ago. And at that place in my life where there was no space for play, there was no Mm. space for rest. Um, and I mean, you started, you kicked off this podcast so well with a quote from my favorite writer of all time, uh, um, I love that woman. Um, Mm -hmm. but also as a, as another black woman and just seeing that rest and play and joy and goodness, um, can be things I think in my community, we may not engage in and make space for. So I'm so excited to talk about it from that angle.
0: Yeah, I, I can't wait to learn from you, right? And so I, I'm really excited because so I was talking to random people around school um, and saying, who do you know of that is a good example of someone who is good at resting and good at playing? And one of our mutual friends was like, you need to talk to Yasmin. <laughs> and, and I was like... Tell me more. And then he went <laughs> on this like rant of how like all these things that you do. And I was sitting here going, like, oh my goodness, she would be. And then he, and then he ended it by saying, And I'm pretty sure she likes Avatar. And I was like, Oh, yeah, see the deal right there. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I I'm I'm interested, like, what is your relationship with the Avatar universe? Just so our, our listeners mm-hmm. know, know what that's like for you.
1: Of course, of course. So super excited to share. So I was one of um, those kids um, back when Avatar was first launching, who mm. waited um, right at the time. I think it probably aired at like eight o'clock or seven o'clock, depending on your time zone, um, who would close my door, and be like, please do not disturb me. New episode is on. <laughs> um, so I was in that generation when it was first coming out on television, um, who would either just beg for more time to stay up at night or do my homework real quick. So I would have time for it. So I became a fan literally as others from the first episode. Um, a fond memory I have is I remember, um, what was this? This might've been book five on fire. Um, maybe was that book five. I can't remember, but it was <laughs> the last book on fire. Um,
0: fire's book three is
1: three.
0: Yeah.
1: Are you sure? So I'm, it depends I'm thinking on what about, it depends
0: on what's happening during
1: it. Right. I'm thinking about the finale. That's what, yeah. That's what book I was three.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. So it was like the last, like on the finale, I remember that's when he had hair and everything. And then they shaved oh, off yeah. hair. Yep. And that literally, when I think about Avatar, I think about that one memory that I have and I was so close to the TV and um, because I was just super excited, everything has been leading up to this one moment. Yes so, yeah. so still, how many years later? I mean, I was in I was in elementary school, obviously over ten years later, still a diehard fan um, it, so it. good. so well,
0: that's awesome. So that's really cool because I, For your sake, and I guess for listeners who don't remember me talking about this way back in season one, uh, (laughs) I I started listening or watching Avatar like later in life. I was like in my uh, 20s and I was I just kept on hearing like, this is so good. I'm like, it's a cartoon. I already like I like I like cartoons. I like anime and all that jazz. But this is it seems like a kid's show. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, my goodness. And I was right, just hooked yeah. from the beginning, binged mm-hmm. all of it, watched it multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, uh, yeah, I'm, and now we're here, you know, doing an avatar podcast, right? Okay. So it is what it is. That's just how it works sometimes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, okay. And then I already heard you talk about this, this lovely uh, space you've been making just this weekend for all of these moments of, of, uh, rest and play. And it seems like you're, full of energy which is like anathema to most people in graduate school right um so like again if you were to just tell me about in a headline what is your relationship to play and rest
1: yeah in a headline let's say um oh man maybe if you had asked me a year ago, I would have said like, it's complicated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's complicated. And now I would say my relationship with rest and play is like a dance. It probably Ooh. is like, a dance. yeah, yeah, yeah. Before it was more like a, a wrestling match.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I was
1: going to KO'd by the burnt out. <laughs> yeah. And now it, it does. It does. I love that word about sacred. It really does feel like a sacred dance. Um, and there's a lot of beauty to it. So if I could give it in like a small tagline, that's probably what my relationship with.
0: Wow. It. Well, hopefully we'll get to tango throughout this conversation. <laughs> and uh, it'll be really cool. So, all right, y'all, this is like, We've, we've set the pitch. We've set the standard. This is what you're getting a teaser of what we're about to dive into. So get ready because here it comes. Let's get some logistics out of the way just to make sure that everybody's on the same page. But So we are reading The Gifts of Imperfection. If you are following along in your book, um, it's on page 127 through 133 in the 10th anniversary edition. Um, if not, don't worry. You can just not follow along. That's totally cool. Um, but next week, we're also FYI tackling guidepost eight, which is 134 through 140 in that edition. So just FYI, those are all the page numbers if you want to keep up. Um, So now we're diving into the real legit content stuff. This is where it gets real. So we're starting with kind of following through Brene Brown's chapter and interjecting, interjecting some stuff from our own lives and from Avatar, right? And so she starts explaining the concept of of play first Uh, but before we really touch on that i feel like we have to assess where we are in terms of this wholehearted inventory that we both took right and so for you uh you measured somewhere on this spectrums from zero to 100 uh where do you fall on the spectrum of rest and play
1: yeah that one was closer to 100 so that that was almost Equal to the laughter song and dance or the joy one and oh. also joy and gratitude. Those three were like pretty much probably like 80s, 90s range Dang. on that one. I, and I think some of it might have been for me. I don't like saying I always do anything. Sure.
0: Yeah, me <laughs> so either. Was, you
1: know, it's like who can say that? So I'm like often, I think.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, because I think it was like often, it was like always often 50-50, yep. rarely never. Yeah. So yeah, those three were like
0: my, I, my top. I never pick absolutes. And then right? of course <laughs> uh yeah, it's I it. I struggle it, yeah. with a lot of those personality profiles or even those yeah. random questionnaires with that are just like, you know, anytime there's always or never, I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like
1: <laughs> but that one time, you know. Yeah, so exactly. Like, actually, this weekend. So it's like, who can say? Who yeah. can say?
0: But. well, I, I think what that's helpful for is for, for me, I got not none of mine were close to 80, 90 percent. All of mm-hmm. mine were right around between 40 and 60. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm sitting here going like super mediocre hardcore on all of these guideposts. Again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but this is oh, why we God. have you, right? No. Right. And this mm-hmm. I didn't know you were gonna score that high when when I asked you to take it, but it's one of those things where this is a really great opportunity for me to be like, okay, this person does this really well. How do I take notes? Take notes. Okay. Um, and so for those of you who are listening to like here's clearly the expert on some play y'all. So here we are.
2: Mm.
0: Awesome. So now that we are know where we stand, I, and again, our listeners are hopefully have taken this, this inventory and know kind of where they stand. Ideally what that gives us is a chance to go into this conversation, knowing what are the things that we need to keep an eye out for that will help us on our, our, hopefully our way to close the gap, uh, and cultivating this, this rest and cultivating play and then letting go of the, the gooky exhaustion as a status symbol. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So you had read this book before, which is also a plus. Um, had you ever read or heard of Stuart Brown before you heard of this before you read it in Brene's work?
1: Oh, definitely not. No, no, I hadn't.
0: So for those of you who haven't read the book, Stuart Brown, no relation to Brené, is a psychiatrist, a clinical researcher, a founder of the National Institute for Play, and the author of Play, How It Shapes the Brain, Opens the Imagination, and Invigorates the Soul. And his core assertion is that play shapes the brain. It helps foster empathy. It helps navigate complex social groups. And at its core, uh, it is the source of creativity and innovation. So that's a bold statement, right? Especially in a world where everyone's talking about empathy and it's so important to be empathetic towards people. And he's saying that, it opens the imagination and imagination is the, what allows for empathy to happen in the first place. If I can't imagine Mm -hmm. myself in someone else's situation, then I can't really be empathetic. Right. Mm,
1: That's powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So
0: I'm curious for you, Yasmin, like when you hear this or when you think about this, what, what comes up for you, what bubbles up?
1: Yeah. So what immediately comes up, especially about the piece with imagination, what, what, what comes to mind is, is memories that I have when I was a child, um, I was somebody who loved stories, who loved Mm. books. I still am. (laughs) I still am that way. But I remember, um, my mom used to work at a shoe store, retail shoe store. She had three jobs at the time. And this one was like, it would go late into the night. And I would be in the, in the back room and all there were were like a, a few pieces of paper, a highlighter, just like knickknack stuff. And I remember writing a whole book called "The Lost Library Card." I illustrated the whole thing. Oh, I know wow. I illustrated the whole thing, and um, after that, I can t- I literally can tell you some of the books that I. One was Santa got stuck down the chimney. It was a story about. <laughs> <laughs> it was a story about Santa eating so many cookies, like his reindeer his reindeer had to pull him out of the chimney because he was just yeah. like. He was like yeah like at this point I'm pretty I'm like I'm stuck and so I just ended up writing all of these stories and what I found amazing at that point because I'm still a writer but I, I take a lot of you talk about empathy um, empathy for my younger self who wasn't really thinking about oh my gosh I could make money off of this <laughs> or oh my gosh like what would I, like is this a logical story I mean yeah. like the lost library card could speak, the, the card spoke, you know, I kind of just threw anything that my imagination could think of. Um, and that was play also to me. I loved reading, but I also loved creating yes. any ideas in mind, but I realized, and I think this is the kicker. As I got older, and some aspect of what it means to be an adult was like, no, no, no. There's there's logistics to writing, like <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about. Oh like, yeah. There, now grammar. there's grammar. Yeah. Oh, you know, percent at the same time, I still have not figured out grammar. Every time my mom reads a paper, she's like, "You have so many commas. You don't need these commas." Um, <laughs> you know, and I found, um, I know, like y'all probably covered this, the guidepost about perfectionism, but I found that mm. that filtered in. Um, when we talk about exhaustion as a as status symbol and all of those things, I found that play, the creativity, the innovation was getting sapped out um, yeah. of an artist when I it, when I started listening to this messaging that said. Okay, but is this good? Is this sellable? What do other people think about it? It became less about, I just enjoy doing this. Yeah, Like, I'm not really trying to write the next bestseller. I'm just like getting an idea out. It became, what is it a good idea though? Mm. Like someone might have already written that. That's kind of dumb. And the minute I started listening to those thoughts, I found as I got older, I stopped writing. Like for many, many years. Cause I just, I mean, that was an oppressive voice, of course. But you know, you know, but also- again, there was that tension of like, play and enjoyment, and and it didn't Mm -hmm. have to have a purpose that was very childlike. And the other side of it that said, no, 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 that has to have purpose, that has to to have meaning, it has to make sense, it has to be certain. And that completely killed out everything that um, Dr. Stuart Brown was talking about, about innovation, creativity, empathy, that those periods of my life, I would say I was at like, a. if I probably took this test then, you talking about being in the 40 and 60 range, I'm pretty sure I would have gotten 10, 20%. Oh no. It was, it literally was low. It was very, very low.
0: I love what you're, what you're doing there is you're illustrating that we have capacity for change, right? Mm. And so what that change looks like is we can both like lose uh, Mm -hmm. our ability to yeah. engage with these guideposts and we can mm-hmm. cultivate these things. These are things that we can work on and bring into our lives. Yeah. And so it's not a lost cause if we're at 10 or 20 or 40. No. Right. Uh, and if it were, I'd be uh, spending a lot more time in therapy than I am now. Um, but, and frankly, even if we are at 90, that doesn't mean that we're doing it perfectly either. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, or 100. Again, it still doesn't mean we're doing it perfectly. It still has to be a practice that we are constantly revisiting and choosing every day, right?
2: Exactly. Oof,
0: Which is, you know, lots of good things and tough things about that statement. Um, So, so the Stuart Brown's really interesting because uh, Stuart Brown was originally a researcher on violence,
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: And so it's really wow. interesting wow. to hear this story. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. So yeah, Stuart too. Brown was, uh, called in as one of the psychologists, psychiatrists, um, to help address the, uh, a massacre that happened in Texas mm-hmm. in like wow. the eighties. Okay. And in the eighties, it was a, a really kind of a big deal. And nowadays we feel like it's like Gun violence happens like all the time and we're almost yeah. like conditioned to it, which is like, yeah. it feels really icky. But back then it was, it was, it didn't seem like that was the case. It certainly didn't feel like that culturally. And so the governor of Texas was like, we need a team and like, wasn't thinking about like a task, like budget was not an, like a thing that they were thinking about. And they just brought in a bunch of these people in Texas
1: to mm-hmm.
0: address, to make sure this would never happen again. And Stuart mm-hmm. Brown was one of these people. And yeah. so he started studying people in, in jail and started studying inmates and started studying people who have had a history of violence. Mm-hmm. And what he found was consistent among people who were violent in their adult years was a lack of play in their childhood wow. years.
1: Wow. And wow. so
0: that led him to be like, okay, play really important. Mm-hmm. And so he started studying play instead. And so like, That's I'm getting better. chills just thinking about it. Yeah, just that. Right? Like,
1: Oh my God, you would not think that that's crazy,
0: right? It's very counterintuitive, but like, I think that's kind of the point and what makes this so interesting, right? Is that when like just at base level, when we don't allow ourselves to play, we are putting Mm -hmm. ourselves in jeopardy of acting outside of our values later Mm -hmm. on, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, (laughs) that that means I need to start playing hardcore.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah.
0: So crazy. Let's dive into some of the things that Stuart Brown talks about as what constitutes play. Because he, it's play for him, is not what you and I like think of without like diving into it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. His baseline for play is that it is a state of mind rather than an activity, right? But yeah. activities can induce that state of mind, which is often how we experience it. But it's an it's an emotional state more mm-hmm. than it is a like thing that we do. Yeah, um, which is really neat. And beca- yeah. and so I, he introduces seven things that are properties of play in his book. And I'm really excited to dive in because the first one is one that Brene Brown talks about in the gifts of Imperfection, which is the idea that play has to be purposeless.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's like done for play's sake. It's, it's, it's done because it's fun and we want to, and there's no other reason. Right. Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. there's, there is no right. Like, <laughs> our self-worth isn't attached to yeah. our accomplishments through in. this, this, uh, thing. So if I'm sitting here going like, I have to play because it's going to be a better person. Like yes. that's not play.
1: right? Like, <laughs> Brene told me to play. So Brene told
0: me to play like that's not how it works. <laughs> right. Um, yes. because yes. when I say like for a lot of people, um, and tell me how this kind of vibes with you. I'm curious. Yeah. Like when I say, all right, y'all, we're going to invest in time that has, uh, we're going to spend the next hour doing nothing for nothing's sake. How does that sound for
1: you? <laughs> Literally, did you see the, the laugh that really came out? Yeah, I was, right? I'm like, if you could, I was just imagining you saying that in any space. And it's like, everyone's like, wait, what?
0: Excuse, excuse me? That sounds <laughs> like an anxiety me? attack.
1: <laughs> Who is <laughs> like, this person? Get them out. Get them out. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Could, like, could you imagine in yeah. a group of graduate students saying, all right, That's y'all, for imagining. the next hour, we're not doing anything? Like everyone would be like,
1: uh, uh, uh. I know that one person. What do you mean by any
0: doing? Define anything? nothing.
1: What, no, what is nothing? Do yeah. you mean like I can't? You know, I can see yeah. stuff, that one person. It's always that one person. So yeah.
0: like, yeah, and I and I guess I, I'm thinking about this, and when like, referencing our prior conversations on the guideposts. Um, what happens is we've talked about scarcity a lot. And when yeah. we are in this scarcity mindset where mm-hmm. there isn't enough, there's not mm-hmm. enough time. We are not good mm-hmm. enough there. Whenever, where that shame tape is playing, yeah. Yeah. doing anything outside of our to-do list becomes stressful.
1: Oh, you say that. Yeah. Right. So
0: play yeah. becomes a source of stress if we're exactly. living in this scarcity mindset. Exactly. Exactly. Have it like, what is your experience with that? Like you are supposedly doing this really well, right? This oh whole play goodness. thing. And so I'm, I'm curious, how do you, when, like, how do you grapple with scarcity? What are the things that you tell yourself when, when things are, or when you're feeling scarce?
1: Oh my gosh. What, what is, what is not said? So this is so multi-layered for, I'm serious. This is so yeah. multi-layered for me. On one level, it is some of the things that she mentioned in her book of, okay, I definitely related to when she said, you know, from the moment, like either we open our eyes, it's like, I didn't get enough sleep. (laughs) I don't have enough time. It's like, you just woke up, you know, and I've, I've thought that. Um, But I, I'm, I also am conscious of the ways in which my own experience, particularly as a black woman in America, that has also shaped that um, of saying like yeah there's a there's a real there's a real concept in a, in a context where um, there's there's not a, a lot and I think there have been um, just either different ideologies or thoughts towards Black people of like you're kind of worthless and so then my community historically combated that with exceptionalism and that's how mm. that plays into scarcity which says like do more. Be more. Prove that you're this. Prove that you're smart. Prove yeah. that you're that. Prove that you're a human being. Yeah. And of course, that comes from an experience of trauma and experience of violence. Yeah. Um, but I I saw the the unintentional impacts, the symptoms, the byproducts of it. Of man, I have this this scarcity mentality, and also this constant under thrum of anxiety mm. that. I can't stop. And when I stop, I'm already running out. The the clock is kicking, kicking, not enough time. And so I'm conscious of my context and my generational history and also just the American narrative Mm. um, that says from the minute I think that we're born, the value system is like, be exceptional, like make your life count. All like all so many self help books are about like now is your time. I just saw like <laughs> the most serious. I just literally I just saw one of the most best selling Christian books right now was is called um You Were Made for This Moment. Like yeah. it's all this kind of pressure. yes and So anytime you're not living into that, it's like I think it feeds into sometimes that scarcity mentality that I've experienced in Ugh. my life. So that's just me on, on my end. Yeah.
0: I love that you brought in this concept of exceptionalism, right? Because when we're acting out of scarce, we have to be like, we can't just be ordinary, right? Ordinary is not (laughs) enough, right? You have to be extraordinary. Exactly. But then what that does is it creates this like perfectionism loop that, um, Indira was talking about on the episode that we did with perfectionism and it's what DeAndrea spoke about in her episode and now you are lifting it up as well and I think that that's just something that our listeners I hope for are tracking those consistencies between the three of you because those are really those are it's really important right Mm -hmm. and because it's like yikes (laughs) Um, okay all right so (laughs) the goal here is we have to convince ourselves that playing is not a waste of time,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Yeah. Playing yeah. has inherent worth. And so yeah. let's, let's go back to this. What started us down this road was the idea that something has to be purposeless, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just because I, I, this is something that I want to tease out a little bit, because just because we are doing something for a purpose doesn't mean that it has to be, uh, that it won't become play.
2: I think yes, exactly. I think that's I really that.
0: important because exactly. like I am doing this podcast for mm-hmm. a purpose, right? Yeah. It has a purpose, but I often find myself experiencing play and entering mm-hmm. that state of mind, even exactly. though I'm doing it with a purpose. Yes. And so I, I kind of want to just like challenge this concept a little bit, right? But yeah. it's one of those things where it is inherently purposeless in the sense that mm-hmm. we are doing it like there are times when this podcast is not play and it's because, okay, mm-hmm. I have to get this done. Of it's course. due to, I have to, it has to post tomorrow. Right. And so yeah. there, like, when we have the added pressure of purpose, mm-hmm. it takes away from that state of mind. And I think yes. that's what Stuart Baum is trying to get to. Yes. Uh, yes. Does that resonate with you?
1: Yeah, it really does. Especially that last line that you said too. It, it, it I feel like it's linked to this aspect of a pressure, you know, mm. it's like, Oh, I have to, and then it really does suck the joy and the play out of it. But I love, I love the challenge though, that you gave to it. It says, and I actually, actually when I was going through, through this, I realized I was like, man, there are actually things in my life where I'm like, they have purpose to them, but yeah. I also find a play. So it can be a both and like, it's like, yes. if it's play, then it has to be purposeless. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so then I, I struggled where I was like, you know, I'm, you know, whether I'm like an, on an online writing community and it's like, this has a purpose, the thing that I'm creating And there are people holding me accountable, but it's also really fun. And Mm -hmm. so is there space, you know, for that complexity?
0: I think it's navigating the tension between purpose and purposeless. As soon as purpose, as soon as you're doing it for the sake of the purpose and there's no other added benefits or joy derived from it right? That's when it becomes problematic, right? And I think we'll address this tension when we start talking about in one of our next guideposts, the concept of meaningful work,
2: Mm -hmm. right? And
0: that's something we're going to be talking about soon. Okay. So let's talk about purposeless in the sense of like avatar, right? Are there any moments for you that come up um, around moments where they were playing and there wasn't like, it did not seem like it was going along with their goals,
1: Oh, my God. You see, it's it's very hard in some sense. Um, it's very hard in some sense to just pinpoint some of them. I mean, I can think about, like, of course, the times where he would want to go penguin sledding or things like yeah, that. Yeah. But I think just in a broader sense, when I've thought about this concept and then thinking about Avatar, I'm like, I think it's all over the place. I mean, you yeah. have basically a boy, like just a really a child Yep, who, the fate of the, the actual fate of the world rests on his shoulder, <laughs> and he wants to play. Like in yeah. these moments, he's like, "Let's do this," and it's like, "You should be practicing. Yeah. You should be because the fate of the world." And I think there's always these interjecting moments. Um, not just that remind yes. us like, oh, wait, not just in the sense of, oh, yes, this is a child. Because then I think it can become kind of reductionistic of yeah. like, oh, of course they want to play because it's a child. But more of like, wait, it might there be more here that there's this huge mm. pressure that's placed on somebody. And they also need these spaces. Again, that tension yes. that you're talking about to go penguin sledding to, yeah. you know, to even play around, you know, with um... actually I even think about, um. I even this I don't think it's connected to play in any way, but just uh, a scene that came to mind is when Ang was learning how to firebend the first time, and you could yeah, see yeah. the smile on his face. Like it was again, here's a purpose.
0: The wonder, and, right?
1: You know, he was a purpose, but it also brought joy. You know, you could actually see the smile on his face, and then when he unintentionally, of course, hurt Katara. Yes. Um, and so I think like. I think I see these moments, these threads, like beads in a way strung together throughout um, the the show where you do see these instant, these interjections of play, but again, against this, the fate of the world rests on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, again, what you were saying before, here is that tension embodied yes. of like, that is a purpose that is meaningful. It's not something that somebody can just be like, oh, throw it away. Like that's a real responsibility. Yeah. But also there's there's another road, too, that's equally important to honor play and that that is something it's not just the actions, but like you said, it's something that Aang embodies this playfulness, Yeah, and
0: that's really important because I love that you're lifting that up, because what you're saying is reminding me of this moment in season three where mm-hmm. they're all on the beach. Sokka's is doing the sandcastle with Suki. Oh, yes. Top has <laughs> yeah. this like you know bossing say in perfect form, like, yeah. and you know everybody is kind of like just enjoying themselves, mm-hmm. including Aang. And then Zuko mm-hmm. comes in and says, "You should be training," and starts attacking yep. him, yeah. right, and chases him yeah. around. And yeah. it's one of those things where that's the voice that we mm-hmm. have to like that we have yeah. to listen to, but also be like, "Not today." <laughs> uh,
2: <I don't laughs> not, hold that voice. Not today.
0: Yeah right um yeah. and and those people that are trying to tell us that are often mm. the people that love us
1: yes and when that makes that. it even
0: harder to 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 not to be like i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna take some time today and i need you to yeah. to, to not say that anymore right now <laughs> <I'm fine>. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah yeah so i just i just wanted to lift that up too i think that's a really important a moment yeah mm-hmm. okay so the next the first one first premise or. Uh, what is it? Criteria. Yeah, it was like the for, first role, for play yeah. property. Uh, property. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And the second one, it first one is purposelessness. The second one is it has to be voluntary.
2: Mm. It
0: can't be something that is compulsory, right? Compulsory play is not fun. It's like yeah. when I say, "Okay, class, let's all stand in a circle and we're gonna play a name game." Everybody's oh my like, god. "Oh <laughs> uh. Right? It's like, "Oh my god!" Yes. <laughs> right?
1: My uh, whole body uh, cringed.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. It's just like, uh, mm. and so like compulsory play is not fun. And this really makes me think of uh, very early on in the show, Ang and Sokka, where they are first this is episode three they're visiting okay. the uh southern air temple mm. and ang is learning like confirming mass genocide of his people yeah. right yeah. he is learning about that and Sokka's is like okay what can i do to lift his spirits because ang has just said oh look it's the air ball rink we used to have so much mm-hmm. fun here and Sokka's is like okay make him feel better make him feel better tell me about air ball and then they start playing and let's be real Sokka cannot it's not an airbender of course right? he is not <laughs> yeah. doing this for the sake yeah. of having fun he is doing this to help ang right there is like um... this I, I i am interpreting that mm-hmm. he feels a compulsion to do this and it doesn't feel yeah. voluntary um how do, does that how does that like does that example oh, resonate really. with you Is that make it sense? really
1: does i mean and i feel like that's also such a complicated story with that as well too because like you were saying here's a moment of, of grief of difficulty yes, and someone who's trying to come alongside and say, okay, wait, I, I know you just mentioned this memory. I know this is important to you. Let's do this. And that's complicated because on the one hand, it's like, is that the context for, is that helpful? Yeah. Um, but I think that, that resonates. Um, and it also begs the question too, is like, is there, I even don't want to say this. I'm just being devil's advocate on this point. Yeah, but like, I love it. Is, is there a time and place for play? Is there a time mm. where it's like, because I don't like being the person I really actually am not the person who's like, is this appropriate? Is this inappropriate? I'm not really that person, but I also think about these moments where I can say for myself, I have a naturally, because I'm the youngest out of three, I'm just, ah. I have, I have a playful kind of personality. I love doing that, but I also recognize that at moments where I've had, I've been really low or experiencing, mm. you know, mental health issues and everything like that. The people who try to come alongside and be like, oh, let's like, let's, you know, you're playful. Let's put, play. and I'm just like.
2: No, thank you. Not,
1: no, thank you. Like normally, like, and yeah. so, you know, that's what I'm saying. I feel like that it also complicates the narrative too, yeah. you know, and begs questions. Yeah.
0: I, I love what you're pointing to. And for, for me, I think it's, an empathic miss when yeah. we yeah. are trying to turn on the light too soon
1: oh that's good that's right? good that's really um, good, that's and, really and,
0: good. I, and I think that's what you're describing and I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna I don't think that's what's happening in this scene no. though no. because mm-hmm. I don't think Aang has gotten to the point where the light's off yet No, I think Saka realizes that the light's about to go off and it's about to get dark, and he's like, Let's keep the light on a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, let's be helpful. Yeah, which again may not be it. Like, for me, like, I would probably say, Okay, Ang, let's have the talk. This is Mm -hmm. it's time, but. Yeah. I, I think of, you know, all the moments in Harry Potter, just to reference <sighs> another series where Dumbledore's oh, Dumbledore doesn't tell Harry what's really going on because he loves oh, him and he like that yeah. feeling gets in the way. And so I have so much grace yeah. for people who are like, I I don't want to see you hurt. And so I'm going to yeah. I'm going to keep this light on for a little longer. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah the ethical, like when do we have this conversation is something that I want to definitely keep in mind and everybody's going to have a different answer. Um, but yeah, I think that's an important thing to pay attention to when we talk about this for sure.
1: Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah.
0: All right. So we've got two properties, purposeless, voluntary. There is an inherent attraction, which means for you, it is fun, yeah. <laughs> right? But here's the deal. Yasmin, yeah. what's fun for you isn't always fun for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. would probably, if you told me to sit down and like do some creative writing, mm-hmm. I don't think that would be fun. I would be, yeah. I would be sitting yeah. there going like, this is involuntary. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, there, I is a, yeah. there is an actual purpose to this. I'm doing it because she asked me to. Right. Yeah. And so like, what's fun for me and what's fun for you is different. And I think that's something that a lot of people like fail to honor. Um, mm-hmm. Oh,
1: that's good. Yeah.
0: Right. Like how, how does that, how is that manifested for you? Are there like, what's your friend group? Like, do you all have the same interests?
1: Oh no, not at <laughs> all.
0: <laughs> oh no,
1: not at all. Um, yeah, um there I have some friends where, oh, I remember this. when I was in college, I had a friend where um indoor rock climbing, so mm. much fun for them. My short <laughs> self <laughs> I was I felt like a marionette strung up on these strings. yeah, my my muscles, my arms are hurting. I'm like this for them, I think they loved blending like exercise and change. yeah. and I was like, See, I don't mind maybe if we go like hiking in the great outdoors, but yep. but being inside a sterilized building and everything's kind yeah. of artificial, they're like, isn't this so much fun? And I was like, well, it is something. Like, it is, you know, it's an experience. That is what it is. It is, yeah. a, it is an experience. And so there, there are those lines where it's like I was able to do that in, in trying to build connection and relationship mm-hmm. with his friend but also recognizing, I think that was a visceral example for me where I'm like, this is very fun for them. They are smiling, they're laughing, their yes. you know, body postures loose and everything. I'm all tense, you know, <laughs> <Let's rest> together <laughs> thinking, looking at my watch, you know? And so I, I love this point that you made though, about that play, that enjoyment, that pleasure looks different for everybody. And how do we I think make space where we don't need to put down one or elevate another form of play Mm -hmm. um which we easily tend to do in american culture that kind of competitive comparison nature um instead of hey that's a valid form of play i it may not bring joy and pleasure and everything to me but how can i celebrate and honor that and value that in you um and i think in a lot of ways that can be hard for us to do because when we define what is play I think it's helpful to remember, like you mentioned before, it's a state of being, but the way that it comes out in an activity can look different. There can be yeah. a diversity of that, you know, even if the spirit of it is the same.
0: Yeah, um, for sure. You know. Okay. So we've got purposeless. It's voluntary. Mm-hmm. It's there's an inherent attraction. So it's fun. The mm-hmm. next element is freedom from time, which means when we're doing it and when, when we're engaged in it, we lose track of time. <laughs> Mm -hmm. right uh some people call this like flow state also yeah um so like the best way i can think to like describe this is you know all you have you're gone into a movie theater and then Mm -hmm. you watch the movie you come out and you're like oh my goodness it's dark outside outside, (laughs) you're reorienting yourself to the world and it's like wow how long was that and like (laughs) um that to me is like that's a that's play Right when we escape into a world, and it's the same thing Mm -hmm. that happens when reading. Right, all of a sudden we're in this book, and you know, five hours later we're like, "Oh my god, we forgot!"
1: (laughs) (laughs) I should actually go have lunch. Like you've just been reading right through. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So so that's a good one. I I love thinking about that. So, purposeless, voluntary, inherent attraction, freedom from time. This is the one that I think is going to be interesting for people.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Diminished consciousness of the self.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Which means, and we stop worrying about whether we look awkward or yeah. whether we are like smart or whether we're oh, yeah. stupid or any like any of these things that like we stop thinking less about how others are perceiving us, yeah. right? Yeah. Um. So this reminds me of a moment in season three, episode two, the headband. Mm-hmm. Um. So Ang and the Fire Nation children are Mm -hmm. like ang has been in concert like he's been in class and they're telling him this is how you play music and he was oh yeah yeah he was playing they're like no 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 um (laughs) and he's like y'all let me show y'all how to have fun i I forgot how to do this yeah and they all come to this cave that they've been living in and they start playing music and they start Mm -hmm. dancing and you see everybody who's like really worried about how everybody's going to look and then they're all like slowly getting into this dancing and then all of a sudden everybody's just having a blast and everybody's having fun and nobody's worried about whether this dance move looks silly in fact people are like being praised for specific dance moves that are super cool and i think that it's it's really important to underscore that it's not easy to get into this mindset right mm-hmm. undoubtedly like y- y- you it's like that's tough and so i'm like okay so Loss of self Mm -hmm. thoughts. What are what are what are thoughts for you?
1: Oh my goodness. I know y'all are gonna probably touch on this one later, but um it immediately brings to mind um the other guidepost about dancing. Yes. Um oh my goodness, I remember Brene Brown says this line where she's like, dancing feels so vulnerable because that's one Mm. of those areas. Um I remember seeing it when I used to go to um different I think not I don't want to call them school dances but when they would have just like a president's ball or something at my college the gala and, <laughs> yeah the gala I would only stay for like 30 minutes <laughs> but um you like there's a sense too and I think we viscerally see it where everyone's kind of looking at each other and it's like oh they can really dance but oh I can't really dance yeah. and it's you know and wh- what is dancing you know right. all, what, what is this what does it mean really to dance in my mind I'm like if you have confidence, you're fine. Like just mm. or just take it till you make it. Yeah. But you know, I think I see it there. Um, I think I don't know. I'm I have just I have a I have an odd hunch um that we tend to have a very low view, um, and meaning like we tend to not value children in the way oh. that we should. Yes. And so we tend to judge anybody who takes on anything that looks like child, childishness is what we'll yes. say. It might be more like child, they're acting childlike, but we we tend to hold that in disdain because you need yeah. to be an adult. All of life is about just wait till you can get older because then you have responsibilities. You just want to mm. get away from being a child. And so I think that that really plays out. Um, I think yes. that really plays out in activities where it's like, hey, why don't you, I think they say lose your inhibitions, but just like, just have fun. Like don't yes. be conscious of yourself we're like, okay, how do I not be conscious of myself? I mean, like, we're <laughs> you know, you can see the wheels turning because we have been trained in a lot of ways. And again, I think this is tied to all of the other guideposts, again, on authenticity, mm. especially of like, wait, so what matters right now is how I feel about myself, yes. how I'm being in this space, but I've been conditioned um, especially in my context, that says, no, what other people say about me and what they think about me matters more than how I feel in this moment. And yeah. I think Renee Brown, I don't know if this is actually in The Gifts of Imperfection. It might be in one of her other books. Like, I thought it was just me or something. That's one of her other books um, where she gives this example. Maybe it actually is in this book, but she gives this example of dancing with her daughter um, in the department store.
0: I remember and- this.
1: Yeah, like her daughter's dancing, and then there's another mom there with her daughter, and there's this, again that look of disdain. Yeah. And her her daughter Ellen freezes, and she's like, "Mom, like, what do I do?" And she recognized she had this moment to either join or join in on that disdain of like, yeah. stop doing
2: that.
1: you know. But instead, just decided to dance really silly, and so I I see it a lot, um, in in one and with dance, but also like why we don't really want to risk. Mm. Um, I've seen that in my own life. And then I, so I recognize I was like, you know, I'm just going to play music around my apartment. Yeah. Sometimes it's being in my car and having someone else there and just singing on the top of my lungs. Cause I like the song, Yeah. But always hearing this voice. Oh, your voice cracked. Oh, mm. you don't sound good. That's yeah. not your song. Well, why yeah. not? I like it. And so yeah. I think it's an everyday, that state of being. I think we always face that disdain, not just from others, but I think we have that voice internally as well. Yes. You know?
0: You're like, if I, I've, I've been told that I need to uh, reduce my gold star thinking, but I would give you lots of gold stars for every time you bring in an- another, <laughs> like, every, every time you bring in all the other guideposts, it's like Oop, gold star. They all, <laughs> so um, uh, but yeah, anyway, I, I I think that what you're pointing to is something that's really important. like. I think about me going to like weddings and going yeah. dancing at weddings, yeah. and yeah. Uh, this is again like going back to the dis- diminished consciousness of self, right? When when I'm at a wedding and I'm the first person on the dance floor, oh my I'm gosh. I'm feeling like all right, I'm gonna I'm, this is gonna be awkward, I'm, 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 <laughs> small I'm, dance moves, I'm, but like I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the one that makes it comfortable for for me yeah. to do this later, and then other people yeah. join in, and like acts of courage like that. Yes, make it safe for other people to do the same. Right. And and I also think it's uh, there's a really important point here of we have to be able to make it through some initial boredom or discomfort discomfort or whatever it might be in order to get to the fun, which is I think when I think about like phones at Mm -hmm. at the at the table, Like Mm -hmm. everybody puts away their phone and everybody's like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. (laughs) But then, you know, if you you are able to get through that initial discomfort, what happens is everyone is so much more connected, right? And so So we have, and I think that's a problem with children. A lot of the times nowadays is that children aren't taught as often anymore and given the space to get through that discomfort, right?
2: exactly
0: like we have to know that when we're riding a bike up a hill that oh this is hard we don't stop because at the top of the hill we get to like coast all the way down the other side but if you never get to the top of the hill you're never gonna want to get to the top of the hill
1: oh that's so good so so
0: we have to like practice getting through a little bit of discomfort in order to get to the fun sometimes i think uh of of play
1: exactly that's so good
0: (laughs) thanks um (laughs) (laughs) So we got purposeless, voluntary, inherent attraction, freedom from time, diminished self, improv potential. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not rigid. It's open to serendipity. It's open to chance. I think about Iroh with his tea. He's like, I want Mm -hmm. some of this tea. Oh, we're going to make a little blend here or have a a new little tea blend there. And, you know, it's just there's there's improv potential. It can change. It's not subject to too many rules. And if there are, you can like change the rules. Hello, creative writing. And so, right. There's improv potential. Um, And then there's two more. The next one, continuation desire, i.e., we want to keep doing it, right? Yeah. Um, but here's the catch: when you do play, and like, I want to keep playing for longer than you want to keep playing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's this the there's this line where we have to negotiate when and how and long we're playing, right? Because it's better okay. to stop in the middle of play where it's still play for everyone, yeah, than it is to stop only after everyone is done because everybody starts to hate that game if you continue to play i think about monopoly like everybody's having there's this play that happens for the first hour and then it's like okay hour two begins and then it's the countdown until the game's over
1: (laughs) A never ending game we had that recently with spicy uno it's one of my favorite games that's a fun fun game i enjoy it but when uno is not ending because that person who still has a ton of cards and we're still waiting for them to say uno you're like I remember at one point I just got up. I was like, y'all continue playing. I am officially done with this game. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I'll hear what you're saying. Awesome. So one, two, three, four, five. So we did, we did it. We gamed all seven. Um, Improv potential and continuation desire are the seven proper, uh, including the ones we talked about before. All of these are these these properties of play, right? And so Stuart Brown argues that, that play as a, as a brain state that we need to get into is non-negotiable. hmm yeah. This is a line that when I read his book stuck out hardcore. Okay. The opposite of play is not work. It's mm. depression. Mm.
1: wow. Wow. Man,
0: that's good. Yeah. Like, uh-oh.
1: Let that, <laughs> let that it's like, sink wait, in. what?
0: <laughs> yeah, let that yeah. sink in. And um, it, it's just like... It, True play that is from our inner needs and desires is the only path to finding lasting joy. Mm-hmm. And, and as we discussed on prior episode, like joy is like that sacred connection to other yeah. people that we experience. And it's also the source of satisfaction in our work, which is, again, all of these guideposts are talking to each other. Right. Yes, um, yeah. And it's just like it's not negotiable. We can't negotiate our, our need for play.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
0: So similarly, the other half of the thing that we were talking about today is rest. Hmm. And so play and rest are really similar. And it's interesting because they're, they're in the book. Stuart Brown says that there's a laboratory evidence that mm-hmm. there is a play deficit, much like the well-documented sleep deficit that exists. Wow. Um, are you familiar with sleep deficit?
1: No, I was not. Actually, when I read that, I was like, huh.
0: So sleep, gonna... sleep deficit is uh, the, the recommended CDC uh, the, suggests that we should be getting eight hours of sleep a night.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: And so yeah. how many people are getting eight hours of sleep a night nowadays, do you think? Oh, my God. <laughs> not, <laughs> very uh, few. Many very children. few. Right. And so yeah. the, the typical response is, oh, well, oh, well, I don't need eight hours of sleep.
1: Yes. Yeah. I can get mm-hmm.
0: by on four or I can yeah. get by on this. And like, everybody's like, "Uh, uh Oh, that's me. Like, <laughs> Hey, guess what? Science suggests that's incorrect. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we are a society and culture that is in a well-documented sleep deficit. Mm. And so yeah. what Stuart Brown is suggesting is that there is a play deficit as well. Yeah. And, uh, the, uh you, uh, you ever heard of sleep debt?
2: Mm-hmm. yeah. So
0: okay. this is when i like, I don't sleep one night. And yeah. then, you know, if I sleep that amount the next day, I don't catch up. Right. I have to yeah, sleep like yeah. double the amount. It's like, it's uh, <laughs> there's <Yeah. laughs> interest involved. The wow. same is apparently true for play. Yeah. So that's one of those things where that speaks a lot for me to burnout culture as exactly. well right yeah. so it taking a, a vacation for you know a couple of days doesn't satisfy the itch of the fact that I am burnt out at this job or in this yeah. work or at this whatever I'm doing mm-hmm. right unless we're actively playing and incorporating that into our daily rigor we mm-hmm. are going to be un, we're gonna be in a sleep deficit we're gonna be in a play deficit yeah how does that? like what is what are what's bubbling up for you as you yeah. hear that
1: i mean immediately it's the sense of there's so much truth to that i feel like that's also just resounding in my own spirit um because i've seen it i've seen it mm. i'm in it you know yeah um it's it sounds like it's like i almost don't need to read a book about it i just have to go out you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like i just gotta go to school you know or i just gotta go to work yeah and i think what's so hard about it um Immediately what came to mind, the only thought, because while I was listening to you, what you're saying was so great, but was that sleep deficit, that, um, that burnout. It's so hard because we, you were talking about gold stars before, we give people gold stars for that.
0: It's because exhaustion Wait. is a status, yes. symbol, it's a status right?
1: symbol. Oh, look how dedicated you are. Oh. And then the opposite is also true because I think you you can't win on either side because exactly one you sacrifice you you either sacrifice your health, there's that, or on the other hand, you sacrifice quote unquote others' well opinion of you. If and you your go health. and say, <laughs> Yeah, and you're out there too. Because you go <laughs> and say, Hey, I think I'm I think um. As I just had a friend do today, you know, I think I need to rest. How many times do we penalize and we police people for that? Wait, wait, what? Or just in a tone, oh, you know, where it's, oh, a, it's a word of a sad of dissatisfaction,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: then we start to doubt someone's reliability, their dedication, and then yeah. that it triggers our shame response of like, mm-hmm. now you need to prove to that person. If I have if that shame response is in me, I go and say, wait, wait, no, no, no. I am a dedicated person. I am a good exact yeah. I am a good worker. So therefore, next time I'm gonna work overtime. Next time I'm going to, you know, it goes back up. to this
0: idea of exceptionalism, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's why when you're saying that, um that play and rest being uh connected, but I'm also just thinking about um the easy thing to do would be to to say, yes, just just go rest, just go play without without naming the reality that. Most likely I've experienced this in my life when I started making space for it, most likely you will at some point face that censure, face mm-hmm. that disapproval. Um, and I think, again, to tie it to the other guideposts, unless we are linked to a deep sense of worthiness yeah. um, within ourselves, but also a deep sense of like, what are my values? This is important to me. Yeah, We are going to be shipwrecked. Um, by other people's lack of acceptance or approval to say, to honor our humanity in that, you know.
0: Mm. Man. So long story short, we, we have to start respecting our body's needs for renewal, right? If we don't, we are going to experience Bad things, right? And so, and that's documented as well from the CDC, right? Insufficient sleep is associated with a number of chronic diseases, including diabetes, heart disease, obesity, depression, right? Yeah. I I, yeah. I think of Ang in uh, book three again. I mm-hmm. think uh, yeah. nightmares and daydreams. Oh where yeah. Where yeah, yeah. what happens is Ang is so in this such scarcity. He's like, I don't have enough time to learn all the things I need to oh, do in order to beat the fire Lord. And yeah, so he starts incessantly yeah. practicing. And yeah. to the point where he, he has this like red eyes, he starts having nightmares. Yeah. He starts like all of these, it, the body keeps the score, right? The body yes. starts taking okay. a toll on, and is like, dude, rest or else, yeah. um, yeah. which oof. Right. And so, Oh, there's so many things, so many things. So, this is why I think uh, pulling Audra Lord and Trisha Hershey, who is the founder of the nap ministry is really Oh, important. I love
1: the nap ministry. Yeah.
0: And so a quote from Trisha is, we believe rest is a form of resistance yes. and we name sleep deprivation as a racial and social justice issue. Yep. Yes. So I, I'm curious, Can what are, what are your reflections on that? And can you help for people who might be like, what do you mean? Can you help elaborate on that at all? Oh, yeah. So,
1: oh, man, um, two incredibly, oh, my gosh, incredible women. But um, I can only speak about it first from like a perspective sure. as, a, as a black woman and why I feel like that is a, as Audre Lorde said, a, a radical act of, of self-care. Um, and it is very liberative. But um, I think when you talk about oppression, I've I've said to a few people as well oppression if you probably have to reduce it down to its bo- most basic element mm-hmm. is you are denying the full humanity of somebody. Yes. What is tied to our humanity what they're what they're talking about is care is support is play is rest. Mm. And whether this is linked to you know the you know the industrial revolution it probably is. But when we started thinking human beings are like machines, um, and I think because we do also see time as a commodity, as a form of like capital, um, it's why we'll go and say time is money and, you know, I'm wasting time, all of those things, you know, in a lot of ways, we are not seeing ourselves and one another as human and as Mm. being like being willing to accept the fullness of someone's community i'm asking you to be everything but human your humanity actually is is what we're trying to get rid of like you need rest wait what (laughs) you need to play all of the here's here's a here's a statement that i think i just need to name what we are oftentimes holding in disdain is our humanity that's just it Oh, Oh. you know it's actually not just like that's actually the, the culprit of all of this is we have a deep self-hatred yeah. of our own humanity. We view ourselves or our humanity as weak. That's mm. why we feel that way about vulnerability. It's why we feel that way about rest. Yes. Like everything that makes us human, we don't affirm. We instead We instead try to reject and become, get further and further away from that. Yeah. As a result, we get further and further away from ourselves and from genuine connection. And so that's why I go and say like, Um, I agree with their statements because, again, when I tie that to my understanding about injustice or about oppression, like that is what I'm studying. When I try to reduce it down, it at its core, again, is about rejecting someone and seeing them as a full human being. It's
0: dehumanization at its best, right?
1: At its core. And so that's why then when we talk about rest, when we talk about play as being radical acts, I cannot talk about the reason why I incorporated that into my being and into my life and divorce that from my Blackness and my Mm. Black womanhood in America and seeing that for me as, yes, as, as my own affirmative statement that Black lives matter, not just in the sense of like, no Black death, but saying, what have, what have I and my people historically been denied of? We've actually been denied of rest. We've been worked like mule horses. And so to be able to go and say rest, not only honors my own ancestors and gender and former generations, but also this sense of honors, my own humanity to say yeah. like, no, you're not what everyone says. And I think that, that, that flows to every other even if you're not black or you're not in a marginalized group is that we live in a culture that does not want you to be human and then asks you to take on that self-hatred. Yes. You know? And so being able to to actually have embodied acts that say, um, and I'm just going to incorporate this last part and then I'm going to stop talking. I promise. <laughs> but but i come from an edge like my my training in undergrad was in education but my the philosophy that i learned under was that everything was basically this everything at its core is formational it is forming you into something and mm-hmm. unless you have strategic actions this is why they talk about like being anti-racist having strategic actions to form you into what you want a more restful a more joy-filled person you're going to be formed into whatever else is trying to form you. And yes. so they are radical acts in my mm. opinion of, um, of justice and self-care and all of that for sure. So I agree. That's all I say. I agree.
0: I am in all that was awesome. So that was, that was great. Thank you uh, for elaborating on that. I'm really interested in, in making sure that when we talk about these things about rest and play, Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think often like one of Brene Brown's like widest audience is like, you know, 40 year old white women. Um, <laughs>
1: yes. And, yes, and, and, yes, And I
0: think that it's important to identify that the things that these guideposts are lifting up are important for everyone, not just the like the the main audience that gravitates towards her work. Yeah. Um, so I just <laughs> I think it's worth lifting up there. Um, I'm glad you did. Yeah. So again, thank you. I appreciate all of that. So knowing that this is really important, right? Mm-hmm. Rest is yeah. radical. Yes. Play is radical because of how it humanizes the person. Yeah, um, yeah. That what that, what that again leads to is it leads to this understanding that when we deny ourselves, our humanity, mm. what that also does is it leads to our body feeling as though it were trauma. Yeah, which is why we experience these these chronic conditions as a result of preventing those things. It's why it leads us to violence. If we deny ourselves play is because denying our humanity is traumatic.
1: Yes, I love that. Oh, wow. That's powerful.
0: Um, I kind of hate that. But
1: like (laughs) (laughs) no, but I'm saying no, but in in the way in which that you phrase that, like, obviously, I don't don't love the, the way, but we don't talk about it in that way. And that's, no, I think that's what I love. We, we never actually say, hey, denying my humanity. We we kind of view it as like, oh, I'm not really denying my humanity. I'm just yeah. like, no, I'm making time for rest. But you're like, no, no, no. It is a form of trauma, like yes. traumatizing ourselves. Yeah. And so yeah. when you said it in that way, I was like, man, that's good. Because we don't talk, we don't frame it in that way at all. That's
0: powerful. Thank you.
1: <laughs> you are well, honestly, you are so welcome.
0: Oh, man. Literally. Um, throwing
1: laurels at your feet <laughs>
0: yeah um, i i accept uh, so w- now that we okay we know now that these things are important okay. so the thing that gets in the way is what you precisely named really well is that we see exhaustion as this status symbol right mm-hmm. this thing that we want to cling to it's like oh when we're talking to you know other students uh it's like oh how late were you up writing your paper <laughs> oh I, w- I was up till midnight oh I never went to sleep. Right? <laughs> like It's like, and yeah, all of a sudden yeah. it's like, oh, you're working harder than me. Oh no. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then it's like, again, it goes back to this idea and from the last guidepost of comparison being the thief of joy. Right. Exactly. Um, and so like the, it sounds like, oh, you know, just one more hour of work or napping is for the week or push through. You can handle it. You can sleep when you're done or yeah. you can sleep, to take it further when you're dead. Um, (laughs) right. And yeah. Oh my gosh. Like when we are in a position of not having enough money to meet our basic needs, sleep becomes a luxury. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so not only are we in a position where that, uh, that oppressive element is we are denied our humanity, but we're also denied the option to choose our humanity. Exactly. Exactly. And so, it really reminds me of of Mako, who is you Um, know, Mako and Bolin are really poor in Legend of Korra. They're you know, but and he has to work multiple jobs, and he doesn't have the luxury to choose rest. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's dirty. Like y'all rest. Like that's the takeaway here. (laughs) Like. Yes. Like yeah. The data suggests that we aren't capable as capable of handling it as we think we are.
1: No. Right.
0: And. Like we're we're a nation of stressed, exhausted adults. We're raising over-scheduled, overstressed children. Exactly. And we're so busy chasing happiness and joy and the extraordinary that exactly. it becomes a barrier to achieving happiness and joy.
1: Definitely. Definitely. And if I can interject with an, another point as well. And then there's also this, it's supposed to be a counter-narrative movement of like uh it's a its own kind of self-care movement um of splurge you know treat yourself treat yourself but, interesting, but interestingly enough and i remember i thought about this a, a year or two ago but i was like this is this is about in a lot of ways it's not just this form of materialism and mm. and, it, and it fuels consum- consumerism as well but it's also about access
2: yes. and so i
1: can only treat myself if I have money you yeah. know, <laughs> if I yeah. have money left over. Um, and so then it becomes like self-care, being able to care for yourself. Then I'm, I'm thinking about listeners who might think play and rest sound nice, but um, that sounds like a luxury. Yeah. Primarily because we've, we have framed it, unfortunately, in that way yes. on social media and, and all of those things is that it is actually something you need to go buy. It's something that's always outside of yourself. It's bigger house,
0: need- better salary. Yeah
1: you need to spend money on bigger, better, more, like, don't just get the, don't just get the small, what is the, what's it called? Cup at Starbucks, get the grande, get the venti, Mm, mm
2: -hmm. you know, and I'm not
1: saying don't do that. And that's against like care and rest and and play. But what I am saying is that I believe rest and play are accessible. And at their core, they should be, if they're coming, if it's coming from a place of being, it should be accessible to all. And unfortunately it's been commodified. With marketing and yeah. all of these other things, and been exploited, that it's just now just spend more money, and mm. so then there's people who are like, I can't rest, I can't play. That's a luxury for other people. Um, when yep. there are, there's everyday things that we can live into and then be and practice yes. that don't require all of that, you know. So I just yeah, mean-
0: well, and that really throws into sharp relief the uh, the thing that Brene Brown talks about in this book of our. Like my life changed when I switched my, my thought process from what's my dream list, which is oh, it's, yes. it's that material portion, right? Oh, the bigger yes. house, the better salary, the exactly. this vacation that we need. How do yeah. I change it to a meaningful, like these are the things that yeah. like, our house yeah. values in terms of play and rest exactly. and making a meaning list instead of for the house, instead mm-hmm. of a dream list. Right. Because one is materialistic and one is like more, more, more. And the other is how do I value the humanity that is in the room?
1: Yes. Oh, my goodness. There's there's so much power there. I think if we also that's good. I think if we link it to to. um, Man, so when I think about um, if we want to go back to Avatar for just a period. Yeah, 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 yeah. And thinking about also the quotes about um, that self-care as this radical act. um, You know, when I think about, I can't actually remember which episode this was in, but when um, King Boomy was putting um, Aang through all those tests. Yeah. Yeah, And it was Aang's creativity and his, and an aspect of playfulness that helped him to survive.
2: Yes. And so when you think about
1: that context of like, who would think about creativity and playfulness is linked to survival is linked to this actually helps you. It keeps you alive. It keeps, it helps you thrive. We don't think about it in that way. We do think about it as a privilege instead of like, no, 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 you, I think what you're getting at as well. And what Brene is getting at is like, no, you need this. Like you need this. It's not a luxury. It's a need. It's a human need.
0: Yes. And it goes back to this foundation foundational need for empathy, right? If play, if play is what cultivates imagination, right? And allows us to feel empathy for others, right? If imagination is also probably the root source of much of our creativity, where if we're going to create something and bring it into the world, something that did not exist beforehand, it inherently requires an imagination,
1: right? And so what we're
0: saying is you can't be creative unless you allow yourself to play.
1: Wow, exactly. Exactly.
0: Right? And so one guidepost gone, unless joy yeah. gone unless and you allow yeah. yourself to play
1: yeah right? and one could say the others kind of topple and crumble if they're all interconnected which i think yes. we're, you're ultimately getting at we're getting at um then authenticity goes mm. joy goes
0: all the things uh all bye the
1: things all the things peace yeah. out yeah
0: y'all this has been a lot of important right. stuff. I'm so glad that we've been able to have this conversation. Same. So, so y'all, like, rest is important. Play is important, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think one of the, one of the moments that comes up for me that I think I want to uh, end on is mm-hmm. this moment in Legend of Korra where mm-hmm. Lynn, who is you know Toph's daughter, yeah, and she is in Zalfu, which is the metal bending town. Oh, and
1: yeah. she
0: comes upon this yeah. guard and the guards like, oh, I did how I did like 20 pushups last night. How many did you do? Mm-hmm. And like, it's like, oh, I did like 50. Uh, and so <laughs> Lynn <laughs> sees them like, "In like you're slacking off da, 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 and like gets on them for, for mm-hmm. resting
2: mm-hmm.
0: and, and for, you know, taking a moment. To not be on right yeah, and lynn oh, is wow. hyper critical of this and she feels like she has to like and then um oh my goodness i'm forgetting his name the main guy uh mm-hmm. in uh in zalfu comes up to to lynn yeah. and, and is like you can rest you know <laughs> like mm, yeah, you, yeah. you you don't have to work while you're here i way i way is his name um so Ai comes up to her and is like, you don't have to work while you're here. This is a safe place. And I think that's a really important condition for us is to realize that safety and is, is a condition for being able to rest. Safety exactly. is a condition to be able to play, right? And I just, I feel like sometimes we need explicit permission
1: exactly,
0: to rest and play.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, and so my, I think my challenge to everybody listening is who needs your permission to play, mm-hmm. who needs mm-hmm. your permission to rest and what can you do to give them that permission right now? <laughs> um, yeah. 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 And sometimes it's like, who needs my permission? I do. I, do. <laughs> I exactly. need my own permission. Like, exactly. How do I give myself permission to do these things as well? Exactly. Yeah. Man. So we had a long conversation here. What, what, what did we miss? Did we miss anything when it comes to rest, when it comes to play? What, What are the things that we like would have to talk about in order to, to solidify this conversation? And the answer might be nothing, but I'm just curious.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I am just, I think what comes to mind for me is I think about maybe for those who could be listening and saying, okay, I've, I've, I've heard everything. I'm not, I'm recognizing I'm not making space for rest or for play. It's important. I wanna start doing that. And who might ask, what are, what can I do today? What How can I start practicing that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've, we've emphasized first, it's a state of being. Um, and so I think if I could speak to that a little bit, um, I would just say first, if we're starting from a place of being, I'm always a big advocate, this is free, but yeah. <laughs> uh, um, this is, hey, it's free. Is to sit down with yourself and to ask, like, just to said what do I believe about play? Here, what here. do I believe about rest? And all, and asking, like, what do I believe about my own worthiness? Do I feel like I need to earn that first? Do I feel like I need to, am I saying things to myself that are like, yeah, we can do this, but after we finish this, then we've mm. earned it. Um, why do I feel like I need to earn it? Yeah. Um, why do I feel like I need to earn goodness? When did I learn that? um if you have the ability and you have a great therapist they are great to work those things out with yep. um but um of course I can go say oh you can always do all of these things but I think if we emphasize that point about playfulness play rest it first starts from a place of being
2: mm. I
1: would go and say it starts from a belief it whether a truth that we're believing whether it's helpful or not I found that's what brought the shift in my life is when I sat down with myself and I said, wait, wait, I have all these messages in my head that I feel incredible shame when I stop for a second. And I have this voice in my ear. That's very angry with me. Um, What does that voice sound like? And then in that way, being able to engage in some compassion with myself to say, Hey, this is hard it being hard. But like you said, when we're going up that, that, that hill that mountain we're learning how to bike and it it is hard work but i can keep going you know and then when i go down when i start to engage and play and rest Uh, you know
0: sigh of relief
1: i experience that well wait okay at first it's kind of scary but wait i'm laughing i'm experiencing joy the winds in my face it's fun so Mm. i love that thank you for having me this has been so great yeah
0: well we're not all like we're we're done with like the main portion we have we have have our end thing which is what we do so Brene ends all these chapters with her dig right uh uh so get deliberate get inspired get going so we're going to take a short break and come back in a few minutes after they have some music in their ears and we'll be right on back Everybody. Welcome back. Hopefully you had a nice little musical teaser um, after our nice riveting conversation on rest and play. Now what we're doing is we're, we're going to start talking about how we put this into practice. And I'm really excited about that because Yasmin gave us this lovely benediction just now um, uh, on how, how to do this. And I'm excited to kind of narrow that into uh, three different things that, El- that Brene uh, kind of ends her chapters with and so for those of you who've been listening for a while you'll know these for those of you who are listening for the first time there are three elements so the first thing it, and it uses the acronym dig right so the first one is get deliberate so how do we um, make and it, I also like to rephrase it and say we also deliberate right <laughs> so um, what do, what does it look like for us to uh, put this into practice and begin like putting our, in our thought process. And I think what you said earlier was perfect for this. Like, how do you sit down and give yourself space to actually address what your embedded, uh, mm-hmm. thoughts are yeah. right on these things. Um, so is that something that you do? Do you have, you, is that something that you do often? Do you take time to just like meditate on these things?
1: Yeah. So to some degree, I think um, I think probably in the last two or three years, um, I tried to pay a little bit more attention to, I think, especially as she talks about shame, where I'm like, oh, I felt shame there.
2: Mm. And
1: then sometimes it's not the space or the time for me to address it right then and there. But it's like, okay, we're going to put a pin in that. Yep. And then later when I that safety that you were talking about, that space, that time, if I'm able to have that um, to go and say, okay, what was that? why did I feel shame from that? Like, mm. and oftentimes I do find when it, again, I'm like, I don't, a, a test can say, oh, you do really well with, with rest and play. But I'm talking about like, this was something I was wrestling with this past week. I was yeah. like, man, I'm just very down. And I realized because I was like, work, 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 where we've got to work, we got to make money. Yeah. Um, and then when I paused and had this past weekend and I went to an art museum and I just walked around it, and, and having that stillness of thought. And I said, man, I'm realizing where that came from is that fear is guiding me in a lot of ways. And I feel like to, to stop triggers the sense of anxiety for me
2: mm. and then
1: to just with compassion to say, what am I afraid of? Yeah. How about we invite that? And so again, that's a practice I did not know about, but I found like, it's a way for me to practice self-compassion to say, Hey, you are worth slowing down for you're worth mm-hmm. hearing,
0: you, you are know? worth slowing down for Yeah, that's big. Oh, thank yeah. you. For
1: it. Thank you. Yeah. When most of my life I was speeding through it. So
0: yeah. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Everything.
0: So again, for, for Brene, what she says for getting deliberate is g- going back to this joy and meaning list, uh, and, and writing a list of things that, that bring you joy and writing a list of things that bring you meaning uh, rather than writing a list of like what you need to achieve, right. Mm-hmm. In order to like, finally be worth something, right? So what does it look like for us to make a join meeting list? What are are the conditions under which everything feels right in our lives? Uh, And then how does that compare to your to-do list? Because if those two things are so different, then maybe we need to reconfigure what our to-do list looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, I think what Brene offers as a suggestion to get deliberate. And we heard from you also on like meditating on these moments, these red flag moments that come up and then really being introspective about why did that happen? What's going on so that we can work towards, um, doing better and doing different in the future. Oh, okay. All right. So we're, we're deliberate now. We are focused on cultivating rest and play. We believe in it but now we need to get inspired. So I D I inspired. Um, and so for for me, one of the things is like, I love to learn. And so I went and started learning and I read all of Stuart's Brown book on play, as you might have noticed. (laughs) And when I was like, okay, rest is important. I was like, okay, I'm going to go follow the nap ministry. I'm going to go listen to all these people that are advocating for rest. And so I love learning. And so I'm curious, like, what, what about you? What are the things that, um, help you feel inspired to cultivate rest and play?
1: Yeah. Oh no. It's, it's literally very similar. I think we're on the same wavelength with this one. Cause I do the, like, that's what I did also with the nap ministry. Um, I, I tend to pay attention, especially to, to people where you can kind of, you can kind of feel that either from someone's life or, Mm -hmm. and to say, Oh, that's also somewhere I can learn from and yeah. that they love to share that from not from a place of as you also know not from a place of do all of these things. Here's a five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then you're like, OK, <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: you back away slowly. No, thank but- you. Uh, thank you, but no thank you. Um, whether it's it's people on, on social media who model that so well, especially for me when I'm seeing people from any form of in a marginalized community who are experiencing oppression and violence who are saying, mm. no, 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 this is accessible. This isn't just like for the high and elite who can make time. Like this yeah. is, again, to that quote, here's an act of like this, this radical self-care. Um, but again, it also looks like everyday people um who um who who just also inspire me in that ways. I think about mentors people yeah, yeah. where it's like I put my phone on do not disturb I'm like oh you can do that <laughs> 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 like and my phone's also supposed to be on me all the time are yeah. like nope not a period of my life I have one friend recently I texted them and they had said it responded to me the next day they said oh, I'm sorry like I was doing like a, a sabbath for the day where I just turned off my phone and I just had fun I said I should try doing that.
0: <laughs> well, I've never done that. I, I think that's my phone off. That's really important to lift up because that's one of a couple of reactions. Somebody else might have the same thing and be like, "I cannot believe you turned off your phone." Exactly. Like, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I love that you are kind of feeding off of that and being like, "Ooh, what is well, that's a cool option." Right? <laughs> Never thought Versus, of that. Like judging yeah. the person because I think that's what creates those tapes in the first place. Yeah. Is that that's, that's right. when we realize that we're reacting off of our embedded judgments of exactly. these things, and that's wow. when we're like, "Okay, that's Let's, let's go back to being deliberate again. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I want to deliberate on this for a hot minute.
1: For sure, for sure. Um,
0: so, okay. So, theoretically, now we are super nerdy and expired and inspired. <laughs> now, um, and we're now we've gotten deliberate. We're inspired, and now it's time to turn it into action. Right. Exactly. We have to. We have to get going. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I'm curious. What is something that you plan on doing today? that is an act of rest and or play.
1: Yeah. So man, so one of them is later on this evening, um, it is my friend's birthday. And of course we were like, well, of course it was someone's birthday. You celebrate, you do things. Yeah. But one thing we decided on that, we were like, you know, we're going to keep it spontaneous. Like it doesn't really need to be hyper planned. You know, we're leaving just room drive for around. improv, right? Improv and creativity. We're just going to drive around um, Chapel Hill, see what, looks interesting eat good food probably go see venom and of course in the back of my mind it's like well yeah we could do this reading there's also this work that gets to that needs to get done i have to remind myself in that moment honestly there's always probably going to be work that's there waiting for me when i open the door hey how are you it's been welcome to grad school You (laughs) (laughs) you know and so i think when i remind myself like i'm reminding myself today that's that's always going to be there. Um, but yeah. here's my radical choice to engage in celebration to, ex- in, yes. you know, to engage in play and joy and rest, um, with another person. And so that's, that's what I'm doing today. Um, and I'm excited. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm just an issue, a challenge to our listeners, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to tell I, I want you to be rebellious against capitalism and say, <laughs> say no today, right? Say no and take a nap. Uh, mm-hmm. Say no and do something you love that is inherently joyful for you. That is purposeless. It's just for you. Do something that is your choice. Um, that's that's my my challenge for all of us is to to choose you today. Humanize yourself by resting and by playing. Yeah. Um, take that action, right? And so, oh man, this has been. An amazing. This has been so yeah. good. So wow. I'm like tingly right. all over. <laughs> all right. Is like, I'm so like, so like this
1: an excitement. There's yeah. a thumb. There's an energy. Yeah.
0: Uh so next week uh we are discussing guidepost eight, which is cultivating calm and stillness,
2: mm.
0: letting go of anxiety as a lifestyle, which is probably the one that I need the most. So I'm excited to talk about I that. Agree. Same. Also, eight's my lucky number, which has nothing to do with the conversation, but that's just for fun. Um, <laughs> it's like eight, yeah. yeah. And a reminder for everybody: that's pages one thirty-four through one forty in the tenth anniversary edition. And so, Yasmin, you have been a gift and a joy for us today. Uh, if if you want to share, if if you want listeners to be able to contact you or, or say something or something along those lines, is there a way that you would like them to contact you?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think probably Facebook's the most accessible. Um, a direct message on, on Facebook. my I'm pretty sure my name is going to be in the tagline. So you can just yep. type. It's exactly how it comes up um, on, on Facebook. But I'm one of those people where I genuinely, I like to say I'm probably the most extroverted introvert you will meet. I love connecting with people. I just have the energy levels of an introvert. <laughs> and so, um, yes, if you want any just either stories. They don't even have to be questions. If you just want to reach out in any way, just DM me on, on Facebook. And I promise I will actually get back to you very quickly. I love talking with people.
0: It's so. awesome. Yeah. Wow. I, I suggest y'all take her up on that. Cause that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> and clearly she has a lot to offer. Uh, so yeah, everybody, this has been bending, not breaking. Remember you can find us on all the social medias at BNB underscore pod. And that's on Insta, that's on Facebook, that's on Twitter, all the TikToks, all the things, mm-hmm. um, BNB underscore pod. And if you have enjoyed this episode, uh, I highly recommend you checking out uh, Yasmin and her social media as well. And then also, if you really like this episode, maybe going to give us a review on iTunes, <laughs> um, preferably five stars. Um <laughs> That would be cool. I would appreciate it. And maybe even some like, you know, Patreon, that'd be cool. But you don't have to. Not everybody has the capacity to do that, right? Time is money, yeah. but also time is not money. Time is humanity. So like be mm. human today and it's not all about the money, right? Yeah. Ugh. All right. Well, that is a wrap. Yasmin, thank you so much. Thank I am you. So filled with joy and for, for everybody else. Uh, until next time, be well and do good.